on this week's episode, we talk all about research. We talk about times that we've participated in research and the benefits of doing so. So stick around. And welcome to Ray with Flair. The podcast where two best friends with the same rare disease are living our best lives. I'm your host, Casey. And I'm your host, Cassandra. How have we yes. been? Uh, been so good. I want to hear from you first because you just got back from a really special trip and I want you to tell our listeners about it. Oh my goonies. So, you I mean, guys, if you want to, that is. Um, no, <laughs> I'm, like I'm actually going to keep it a secret. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> Dang it. Sorry, girl. <laughs> you blew my cover. No, I'm, to- I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, I would love to talk about it, and I'll try to be brief, because I spent just a quick week in Washington in sort of the Seattle-ish area. So I've talked about this before in different episodes on the pod. So a few years ago, we did an episode about kind of our college experience, and I talked about it there. And also in the episode that we did about kind of independent living was something about chopping vegetables and dog vomit at 3 a.m., that one. Um, (laughs) So I, I, when I was still in college and undergrad, I had a summer internship out in the Seattle area. I lived there for like three months and I was like 20 years old. And it was a really formative experience for me, again, I talked about it a lot before, so if you want to hear about that experience, I definitely recommend you check out those episodes. But, like, you know, being on your own really, really for the first time, like, far away from home, like, you're, you know, since I had an internship, like, it was a paid internship, I was, like, you know, working and going home. It was really just the 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 life of a kind of, quote-unquote, working adult. And so I was kind of learning what that was like. And also just like, you know, I was 20. I was trying to find my place in the world. I wasn't yet done with school. I didn't have a degree yet. So, you know, the pressure of like, I know this internship's going to last for three months, but I got to find a career. Like there was a lot of excitement and newness. And I lived in the city of Bellevue in Washington and it was super accessible, very walkable. So I walked to tons of different like local restaurants, local groceries. It was really easy to get around. Um, but there was there was so much going on. There was like a lot of like like kind of anxiety of the future, and also I was going through medical stuff at the time. So that was a whole other like aspect to it. But you know, I was on my own. I had some income for the first time, and I mean. I had another paid internship before, but it was, like, really my income for the first time. And, like, it was just – it was so much, and it was a special time. And I finally went back, and I saw Bellevue again. And it was so special, you guys. I, like, I almost got a little emotional. A lot of the places are still there. The apartment that I lived in, still there. Um, And just – I kind of – I just felt so content. And I felt also really, like, grateful and proud of myself for that whole experience and like it feels so nice that five years later to look back and be like wow wow you know what I did that I God carried me through that season and like it taught me a lot and I'm happy to be where I'm at now um like super content with my my now career my condo my my bestie that I have a podcast with so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was super fun. And I also stayed with um, some of our family friends, um, also Casey's family friends, that have daughters with HPS. And they so graciously hosted me. And it was so fun to stay at their house with their girlies and their pets. <laughs> no, it's so special because you're in, you're in such a good phase in your life right now, I think. And it's really cool to kind of go back and... And be able to kind of like, uh, like imagine your younger self there and kind of be able to tell your younger self, like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I made it or I'm, you know, I'm okay. And like, to just do that is so like, oh, it's so special. I know. Well, and I know like you got to do that. You also had a little, I don't know. Did you, did you talk about that a little bit previously? Yeah, I I briefly mentioned it. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so I don't know if you wanted to talk more about, like, visiting your old apartment, too, when you went to New York recently, or, or if not, that's okay, but it's still, like, special to be be proud of your younger self. You did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I briefly mentioned that in our last, or in not our last episode, but like two episodes ago. Yeah, I recently visited where I used to live as well. And yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting to like look at your past self and for where you were and where you are and to be grateful for all those stages in your life and to be grateful for where you are now. And there are good things and bad things about every stage oh, of totally. our lives, some, some better than others. But, um, it is really cool. Growing up is kind of cool. I know, you know, right? Wow, it's look at us rad. go. Look at us. Look at us. Um, I know we need to get started with the app, but I did want to um, tell you tell you a funny blind girl story Please. really quick that I had. Um, and first, I wanted to give a little like spring update. I've done, I, I'm doing, I'm growing tomato plants in my back patio. Girl, I'm so, that's so jealous. Exciting. Like I want you to, if you get an influx of way too many tomatoes, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if you sent me a box of tomatoes. <laughs> we'll see if I'm even able to grow any. We will see. <laughs> I'm looking so. great, um, though. Thank you for having faith in me. Anyway, though, here's my funny story. I it's not that I'm not I'm building it up that it's gonna be really funny. But I was like, a, a, when a blind girl moment happens, we hashtag save it for the pod. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's right. I was I I left my house. I was walking my dog, Rupert. And this other dog saw us and started really, really barking at us and getting really, like, you know, eager to see us. Mm -hmm. And that was the route I usually take is where that other dog was. But I thought, you know what? That dog seems really excited. I'm going to turn and go a different Mm -hmm. direction. So and this was and that dog was like a small white dog. That's important for the story. So I turn. I walk a different way. A few minutes pass and I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn around and go back the way I wanted to go because that's the longer way. Mm-hmm. So I turn back to go the way I wanted to go and I see the dog and the owner still standing there. And I was like, why are they still there? Because the whole reason I left is I didn't want to like have to pass by them and get mm-hmm. the dogs all excited. And they were still there. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, fine. I'll just walk past them. Like, I, I'm not going to let them like dictate where sure. I go. I want to go the way. So I... <laughs> I walk up to walk past them and I realize it's a trash bag on the ground. Um, Good. Like a, like a garbage sack full of garbage, like a white garbage sack. So at first it actually had been a dog that was barking at us. Oh. But then when I thought that I had seen it again, I thought the same dog was still there. No, it wasn't the dog. It was a oh. trash bag that I saw a white spot. That's how our vision works. I like saw a white oh, thing and I was no. like, clearly that's the dog. And I died. I I came up to it. I was like, wait, that's not the dog at all. In fact, that's a trash bag. That's a trash bag. So that's my story. Oh, that's so relatable. It's relatable. It is very relatable. Um, This is why walking alone can be a little daunting. But I do it anyway. Uh, I mean, yeah. You never know what's around you, really. It's kind of terrifying. Maybe... Maybe this is a lesson in the world might not be as scary as we think because we can't see, but also the world might be scarier, you know? Scary. So I know, because I'm like, think about how often we walk. If that story tells you anything, it's really how often we walk around not seeing our surroundings and how totally. terrifying that truly can be. Yeah. It's kind of terrifying. Except our yeah. dogs see our surroundings, yours especially, because it's her job. But mine even sees things before I see them but then it's right. scary because I know he sees something right. but I can't I'm and I'm like, like what do you see like, what does he see like sometimes oh. I, my dog is really smart but sometimes it's a dumb thing where she like someone <laughs> someone jingled their keys and she thought it was dog right. tags right. I was oh like it was gosh. someone chill out like <laughs> <laughs> oh but, my gosh but, but yeah. you guys anyway. we have a cool episode I'm really excited to get into this yes yeah, so um we wanted to talk about, so, okay, y'all know we have chronic illness. We've mentioned it a few different episodes. We don't bring it up as much as, like, vision stuff because it's, like, a little more personal. But, but as part of talking about chronic illness stuff, we also wanted to talk about what it feels like to be part of research because we've done this several different times, yeah? Oh, yeah. And I know this might sound boring, 
Like, but don't switch that dial, you know? <laughs> don't switch that dial. <laughs> um, no, I actually think this episode is going to be... We hope it'll be interesting, at least. I mean, we've done different medical research at a lot of different places over many years. We've been, like, participants in different studies and stuff, and... I think this is like kind of a cool part or a different part of our lives. Maybe not cool. I don't know if cool is the word, but it's an interesting part of our lives that we don't, that we don't, yeah, it is kind of cool, I guess, but I don't want to, I feel like saying like, oh, it's cool makes it sound like (laughs) we're like, oh, we think we're amazing. I don't know. But like, I do think, I do think it's interesting. I do. I think it'd be fun to talk about. It's, It's something we like. I've kind of very, very lightly scratched the surface on, but not really. Well, and research, like being part of medical research takes on really different forms. And it's something that most people have probably not ever experienced. So I think it'll be cool in the sense of like, maybe you'll learn something new or you'll kind of get a peek into a different kind of world. Um, Mm. and not as much as, like, the actual process and experience is cool. (laughs) Right, right. And I think, like, the kind of, the disclaimer we always say is, like, we're going to mention some places by name. We're not really affiliated with any of these places, you know. I mean, these are our thoughts and opinions. Um, on some of these, we really don't even know how much we can say. We're going to try to be, like, uh, tread lightly with some of the things we're going to talk about. We're, we're going to try not to be too cryptic here to be, we're not trying to be annoying, but there are some things we can't really share. Um, but we're going to just share our personal experiences and, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I know, um, we both participated in some research at the same time. And the first one of that was at Vanderbilt. And um, in kind of like 2015, 16-ish, the HPS network had this kind of grant to study more intentionally about, um, you know, the lung disease that affects people with HPS. And it was at different hospital centers and you would kind of go to the closest one to you and the idea of this study was to discover um kind of what are some precursors that um determine like when someone is going to maybe start to get lung disease like markers and your like some levels in the blood or something I don't really know for sure but that is what that is what I'm pretty sure this research was for. And so, um, like, yeah, anyway. So we both did it in 2015. <laughs> yeah, and not to, I feel like I'm so annoying when or like when we give refreshers, but I just never know how new people are. But yeah, sure. our, you know, our rare disease, hermansky pudlak syndrome, we talk about it all the time. But uh, all of this research is for that, to find a cure for that, whether it be the lung disease, the Crohn's type symptoms, the bleeding disorder, all related to that. So yeah, we both went to Vandy, Vanderbilt in 2015. It's in my state, so I only had to drive three and a half hours. And by by me, I mean my mom only had to drive <laughs> three <laughs> right. and a half hours. Um, you were just coming off of a major surgery when you appeared at Vanderbilt for this study. Yeah, I'm trying to think. This was like mid-July, right? Uh, it was actually July 8th, and okay. I know this for reasons I'll get into Well, later. so it's actually like, we're, we'll talk about the research itself, but also because this is our show, like we'll talk about kind of what we were doing around this, these yeah, times yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so, a good idea. It, yeah, I was coming off major surgery, so I had my my total colectomy. I had my colon removed June third of twenty fifteen, and then my mom talks about this period of time sometimes, and she's like, "You were like so ready to go because I was sick for months and months before that, and I just like I had no like zero percent quality of life, and then I had surgery mm-hmm. and I was recovering from surgery, but like I felt so much better than I did before mm-hmm. that like wow, I wanted yeah. to do so many different things, and so I um that was I was gonna start college that fall, and I did, but I had gotten a scholarship from the American Council of the Blind that same year and their conference was in Dallas I'm pretty sure so we went to like my mom and I 
went to the Dallas ACB convention and we had packed another suitcase that literally like we landed, we went to our house, we picked up the other suitcase to go to Vanderbilt (laughs) and then we drove south for six hours uh, to go to Nashville to be part of this study. So <laughs> it was a time. Yes, and I remember th- there were a few other people doing this study with us. It was kind of a smaller group, but we all met at a barbecue restaurant that first night. And Cassandra, at least I think it was barbecue. Yeah, I'm pretty positive. Yeah, it was totally, And Cassandra, yeah. Cassandra gets out of the car and she's wearing a T-shirt that says hashtag no colon on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, actually, that should, that should be our cover photo. Wow. Oh my gosh! It could, yes. Or oh, we, have or. Good, we have good research photos, though. We recently. do. We have a lot of good research photos. And for those who don't know, like this is very behind the scenes us talking about this right here on the episode because every time we finish recording, <laughs> we always have a panic moment of like, oh man, what's the cover art gonna be? <laughs> what's the title and what's the cover art? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, so yeah, you get out of the car, no colon on your t-shirt. And my mom and I were really like surprised at how great you were doing, having just come off of a major surgery. But like you, you just put it into perspective for me that like you actually felt better yeah. than you had before. That makes sense. Like the surgery yeah. recovery was like almost the way I felt it was like, it was pain. Of course, like, it, you know, you don't feel great after being cut into, but also it was pain that was promising that like, you knew you were going to like heal from that and feel better because it was over. Like they took it out of you. But like the pain I had before that was kind of just endless. Like I didn't know when right. it was going to stop. Right. That makes sense. Um, now, you might be wondering, Casey, why were you part of this study? Because you have HPS type 3, which isn't supposed to get the lung disease, at least not until much later in life, if I do develop it. Um, who really knows? I, I mean, I do think they they want all types of HPS because I think by researching the types that don't get it, you can maybe understand more about the types that do yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and and what like... Why I don't, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's look into what's different about me that I don't. And maybe that can help find a cure for those that do like that kind of stuff. I don't know. And I think, I think Um, you're right on with that because like, if, you know, if this study had discovered that there was like this magical secret protein that gets Mm -hmm. elevated when someone is going to start like showing symptoms of having the, the lung disease, the pulmonary fibrosis associated with HPS and you don't then like what is that you know that that might show by a like by comparison maybe yeah. i don't know we're not scientists also we'll we'll say <laughs> right so we ate barbecue that night and then the next morning we we arrived at vandy at the hospital um from my oh, you can tell your recollection yeah. i remember i think we just did blood work like that's we all did i remember blood work. doing and then i think the other part of this study were a CT scan, which is also like super common for these kinds of things. So blood work, CT scan, and then I did a pulmonary function test, which was like fine. Um, I don't know if anyone has taken a pulmonary function test. If you have asthma, maybe you have. Um, But it's like a special kind of exam where you have to perform these specific breathing tests where they tell you to like you know, breathe in as deep as you possibly can and then like blow it out really hard and fast. And that measures different capacities within your lungs. Anyway, I was still really sore from surgery. So my oh. my PFT was like, eh, like it was fine. Uh. Um, but it was mostly because like my, my abdominal muscles were like still really tight yeah. from having my intestines removed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I bet that was a bit of a skewed result, maybe. A little bit, <laughs> um, but it was that. fine. So I only got the blood taken. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't remember if I was supposed to do the other two things, but something happened. Um, well, I also want to say we did also sing for the doctors That's because true. our little group was all there and we got to sing. Um, so my, <laughs> I have two nephews. My oldest nephew, I'm not going to say his name for privacy reasons, but my oldest nephew is eight years old now. So this was, or he's about to be eight. So this was almost eight years ago. Wild. Um, so my sister, this was her first child. This was my first nephew, my mom's first grandchild, you know, and we were going down the weekend of like July 7th and 8th 
And my sister was not due with my nephew until late July, like July, like 25th or something. Like it was, it was like two, two weeks later, but I knew, I knew she was going, going to go into labor, like while we were gone. And I kept saying it. I said it for weeks. I said, mom, I'm nervous. I, I don't want to go because Lindley, my sister's name is Lindley. I was like, she's going to go into labor while we're gone. My mom was like, absolutely not. You're crazy. Like we were only going to be there like a day and a half, you know? My mom's like, no, she's not. No, she's not. And I mainly, my thing was, I mainly felt guilt because I was like, my mom, this is her first grandchild. I don't want to keep my mom from experiencing this or keep my sister from having her mom her mom there for her because of my health stuff you know um like I didn't want that that I mean obviously I wanted to be there for the birth too but it was mainly like I didn't want my sister to not have us there especially my mom and everything Mm -hmm. and so Anyway, we're there. We're we're getting our blood drawn, and as I'm getting my blood drawn, my mom gets a text that my sister has is in labor. And my mom initially didn't say anything to me because she knew I would panic. Like we gotta go, we gotta go. And so my mom, after I got everything done that I needed to get done, she then told me, "Hey, uh, she's in labor." And I said, "I told you so." And then we. <laughs> We flew, we had to go back to the hotel and the hotel was like 20 minutes away. I think Mm -hmm. we had to go back to the hotel to get our stuff. And I was like, not, I was like crazy. I was not letting us stop on the way home to like pee or eat or do anything. I was like, we ran and got our luggage and I was like, no, we are not stopping. Like we are going like 80 miles an hour and we are not stopping for anything. And we made it in time. And I was in the room when my nephew was born. It was magical and amazing. That's so Um, amazing. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, that was my memory, and that's why I remember the date of exactly when it was, because that is my memory of that day. Um, yeah, no, and that's how I day. keep track of your nephew's birthday, too, because I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, when were we in Vanderbilt? Like, <laughs> Yeah, your surgery is as old as my nephew, so yeah. that's another way we can keep track. Like a, like a month older, just about. Yeah, <laughs> Celeste. yeah. crazy, crazy. So. That was a crazy time. But yeah, fun, that was a good study. What a fun, a fun venture. Time. I Did you yeah. ever go back? I did not. Okay, so I went back in uh, like a subsequent year. I want to say like 16 or 17. Um, I went back just me and my mom. And, you know, we kind of repeated the study in the same way of like blood draw, CT scan, um, uh, PFT, but like it was really quick. Like I think it was like a day. I don't even know if we mm. stayed the night. We might have like, actually, yeah. I think no, we totally did. We totally did because that's a lot of driving. So like, we drove down the day before, stayed the night, and then like did the thing and drove back. Like it was not nice, nice, major. <laughs> I was jealous because everyone had gone to the Grand Old Opry after I we left. We did. But, it was really fun, know. but I missed yeah, you being there. But I'm like I know. also I super happy. <laughs> Also got a nephew out of the out of the deal, so that's fun. Right. Um. So yeah, I never went back, but that that was one of our places. Um. Anything else to say about Vandy before we move on? No, I, I, um, yeah, it was it was a cute little group thing when we were all there together. But like otherwise, you know, not all research is like that. But it's always fun when you can go with like other people right. that you know. Right. Um. That's true. But now <laughs> to talk about. The biggin, mm-hmm. the biggin, the, big the, one. the NIH, the NIH, as the I like NIH. to call it, the NIH. So this is the National Institutes of Health up in Bethesda, Maryland, kind of right outside of Washington, D.C. Um, so when was your first NIH visit? May of 2016. Okay. Mine was March of 2011. Woo. Yeah. You so were, fun fact. You were diagnosed then, right? Yeah. Like so around this that is, time. I got diagnosed October of 2010. Yes. And okay. I went to the NIH. Mar- I don't know if you know this. I went March of 2011 and I flew straight to my first HPS conference from I didn't actually my know first that. Visit. Oh my yeah. gosh. No wonder. From my first <laughs> no visit wonder you were overwhelmed. I mean, conference is overwhelming oh, I know. on its own, but like you were also just at the NIH. I was just diagnosed and I was quite literally thrown into this world. Wow. Um, 
So the National Institutes of Health has been researching HPS since the 90s. The 90s. The 90s, when Cass and I both popped on the scene, quite literally. (laughs) Um, And they are still studying it to this day, and they've made a lot of headway with it. And it's it's really exciting that the two of us uh, get to be research participants for it. And we... We go back every few years. I went a long, long amount of time in between because this is this is a volu- we are voluntarily doing this. We are yeah. not we are not paid for this. We are not forced into this. This is we do this by choice. Now they do pay for um, you know, flight and, and things like that mm-hmm. uh, for us, but we are not actually like paid to do it. Right. Um, Generally, but it's it is like our transportation and lodging. You know, a lot of times yes. we, we usually pay for our own meals while we're out there, too. Right, right, right. And so, we, yeah, we want to make that clear. This is not anything that's forced upon us. We mm-hmm. want to do this. And we'll talk about some of those reasons why we want to do it. But how do you feel over? I mean, I mean, I guess we can quickly explain to people that usually it's like a a full three or four day event with lots and it's way more than just what we talked about at Vanderbilt massively it's like honestly really overstimulating in a way but um so the NIH like their purpose and research different than the the previous Vanderbilt study they are mostly like information collecting and they call that natural history and so they like to check in on their population periodically of people with this condition and see what's what. Get some, you know, uh, like verbal explanation of like what you've been up to since your last visit in like the world of your health. And then also run many, several different tests um, that measure yeah. where you're at in your health also. Yeah. Basically like a quick overview. You get a lot of blood taken, like like a ton of vials. So much. Um, there's a whole lung section where you do a PFT, you do a six minute walking test, and then checking your breathing after that. You do a lung CT scan. Yep. You do a 24 hour urine sample, which we'll get into in a second. We need to explain <laughs> we'll that have even so a little many more. Stories about the 24 hour um, urine. You do what? What else? What am I forgetting that um, we do? They do echocardiograms, uh, yes. electrocardiograms. Oh, eyes! They do a whole day on the eyes, a like whole an entire day. day. An entire day, you're doing eye exams. Talk about exhausting because it's a full day of it your eye so just being long. prodded. And then a lot of it is also just consultations. So we have like an RN that he works really closely with our like collection of people with HPS and so he knows like a lot of us really well and so what he does is he's the one who takes down all of the notes of like what you've been up to in your health um and he writes them all in a notebook and like sometimes he's got students with him too so that they'll also learn about the disease and like he's you know they do like all kinds of like regular reflexology tests and like stethoscope and blood pressure you know just like normal doctor stuff um and then you yeah you just have different consults with like doctors while you're there and it's a lot (laughs) yeah and this most recent time i actually got a skin biopsy done Mm -hmm. um i think they wanted specifically some type 3 hps type 3 skin um (laughs) they want your skin skin. (laughs) I can tan. I can tan a little bit. Um, and I want to know. I told them as they were taking my skin, I said, tell me why I can tan yeah. <laughs> um, as someone with albinism. But actually, I, I now have a little like mark on my arm that it's a scar that will be there forever because of this. And I knew and they, you know, they asked me before they did. They weren't going to just do it like they asked me and I said yes. And I knew that that was going to happen before I did it. But that's something that we are willing to do. For the cause, because all of the data collection mm-hmm. they take, that does help us get one step closer to finding a cure because it shows, like, different commonalities in everybody and, like, what's going on and yeah. and when different things occur. I will say that, like, I've not gotten a skin biopsy. So I, the times that I've gone to the NIH were that first time, and then I went again in, like, October of 2021. Um, and I'm going back – well, I'll talk about that later. I'll, I'm going back later this year. But – um. So I have not gotten a skin biopsy because type one, 
they're the most of us, and I think they have, a, like, a good amount of samples already from a lot of type 1s, but I also, so the first time I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to do it, because um, it was less than a year after my surgery, and I was just kind of like, yeah, maybe mm. no, um, yeah. and I... Um, when, when I got my colon removed, I had actually opted to donate part of that organ to the NIH. Mm. And so they have, like, I don't know if they still have probably preserved somehow, some way, um, a chunk of my intestines. So that's cool. I'm so glad you remembered to mention that because... That is so wild and cool. It's so literally, <laughs> the NIH has your organ, right? <laughs> At least you know, part not of it, to cause... go not to go off on like a tangent, but you know what's funny about the NIH? So I had to like follow up with some of my local doctors after some things we found in my testing when I recently went to yeah. the NIH, and so my doctors, like, I had to tell them, "Hey, I was at the NIH recently," and blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. it's so funny. Every time I mention <laughs> I was at the NIH to my doctors, they treat me like I'm like a celebrity. Like, like they whoa. think it's so cool. <laughs> They're like, oh, what did they say? What did the NIH say about you? Like, what did they, what did they I know? Can I touch them? I'm Can like, I talk to them? Like, <laughs> they literally all act like, like, it's funny. Like, you know how doctors, like, they kind of, like, write you off? When I, I mention NIH, all of a sudden, they're, like, treating me, like, It's like seriously. you said the magic word. <laughs> It's so funny, man. And I feel like the NIH has really been in the, like, you know, vocabulary of the world after um, COVID. Oh, especially. Which, like, that's a whole COVID. other, oh, there's so many things. Oh, I feel like there's so many directions my brain is going because I'm now I'm thinking about, like, the security oh of the my NIH gosh. and how crazy. The how NIH crazy is, is a world. Okay. I, I just, we have to, there's so much we have to We have to, to, have to like, make you place. understand. We this have to make world you understand this. is so, like, untoward. Like, <laughs> it is... <laughs> It is like an alternate reality when you're at the NIH. It's like Disney World, but it's- worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you go to Disney, you're in the Disney bubble and you feel like there's no world outside. It's like that, but medical. Like, <laughs> So the NIH, for those who've never been, which is most people, like, it's a whole campus. And you're kind of close to the D.C. area, but you're in Bethesda. And so you are in this, like, you don't leave. It's like Kingdom Come. Like, you <laughs> you walk onto the campus or you're driven on. Someone is usually there to pick you up from the airport. They book your flight. Um, and then as you enter, you have to pass through security. Like, at, at the airport almost. But they're at the NIH. Oh, yeah. And there are so many buildings that do all kinds of fascinating things, I'm assuming. But most of the what where we spend our time as like participants is in the what what did your mom call it? Oh, uh, so it's called the the Safra Lodge. But my mom continuously kept calling it the Safra Lounge. (laughs) Like We'd be on the phone trying to order food, and they'd be like, where are y'all located? She'd be like, the Safra Lounge. And then we started joking that it was like a nightclub, like a lounge. Oh, the Safra Lounge. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always think of like the Saffron Lounge. Like, (laughs) it sounds like a fancy kitchen restaurant or something. Anyway. Yeah. So that's like where we stay. Like, that's... um, you know, that housing. I mean, people who are studied at the NIH can be there for many months at a time, especially right. if their disease is, like, really new or if they're going to, through some kind of trial treatment or something like that. So people, it, like, it can be long term. But we're usually only there for a few days. So we go between there and then what they call Building 10, which is, like, the main hospital. Yeah, and it's, I mean, yeah, it's, like, as big as a, a full city. I've, like, heard it really that is. it is. I don't know. And the security is insane. I, I've, I've told this story on the pod, I think, but I like, I like got, they opened the door to my car. The, I'm sitting in the seat. They open the door. They say, reason for visit. And I quickly go, uh, I have a rare disease. Like, I didn't know what to say. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's a really strange place because you spend like all day at appointments and then you kind of just go back and then you know you're gonna have to do the same thing like tomorrow and so in order to not go insane 
honestly, it's just kind of nice to go on a little walk around the area. Um, mm-hmm. If if the weather's good, right? Like you can just see the sights and not feel like you're, especially that first day, you're like stuck in the hospital for like over twelve hours doing different stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. you know, there, you 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 find ways of of breaking it up, but it is. It is really fascinating, but okay, twenty four hour urine. I don't know if you want to say something else though. <laughs> twenty four hour urine. Go, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Well, no. I, you, I you had, had a first, complete had mental. I had a story. complete mental breakdown about my twenty four hour urine this time. <laughs> complete mental breakdown. Please. Basically, go. they make you um, take a twenty four hour urine sample, which is exactly what it sounds like. You have a jug. And for 24 hours, you have to carry this jug around with you and pee in it for 24 hours. The only problem is it has to stay on ice, which is, in fact, a nightmare. And yeah. no one is prepared to help you make that happen. They just say, yeah, keep it on ice. And you're like, okay. Um, so I was like on the floor of the hospital literally sitting on the floor because I was so tired at that point. And I call up Cassandra because she had been more recently than I had. This was this my was most recent jam. visit. And I was like, girl, where do I get ice? How do I go about this? Like, how do, is it going to melt? Like, is, does the ice melt? Do I, do I have to like, how often do I replenish this ice? And it's, and as I was having this conversation with you over the phone, it was like one of those moments where you get, you have this out of body experience of like, what are we talking about right now? <laughs> and like, why are you the only person in the universe that would understand why I'm asking about a 24-hour urine jug on ice? <laughs> it sounds like Disney on ice. 24-hour <laughs> urine jug on ice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so, it's so, like, oh, my gosh. This is such a stressful experience. And, you know, I mean... Not to be too graphic, but, you know, it's not directly into the jug. You usually have, like, a collection hat, and then you, like, have to do a little uh, maneuverability into the jug. So, you know, it's a little easier than that. You don't have to have it, like, all, all the time, but it's got to get in there. Uh, I must say that my ice machine at the Safra Lounge Lodge broke. <laughs> it broke. And so, so the advice we had, I had to be creative. Her- Sorry. Yeah, we had to find ice packs. No, no, that's all I was going to say. We had to find ice packs to do it. And we did. But I was like, if I mess this up, you have to do it again. You know, if you mess up the first 24 hour, you have to do it for 48 because you have to do it again. Yeah. Well, and like, actually, I'm kind of glad that it worked out that way for Case because the ice packs probably stayed colder for longer. So the way that we ended up doing it when I went back, uh, when I was there in, in October of 21, was like, we got ice from the ice machine, put it in, like, basically a dish pan, and then put the jug on that ice. And then, you know, throughout the night, as we were in the Saffron Lounge, um, as we were, like, <laughs> you know, resting and whatnot, like, I would, like, continue to to collect the samples. and But, like, the ice would melt during the night. Like, ice doesn't last forever, you guys. Did you know that it'll melt? Like, <laughs> and so... And so, you know, the good thing is that usually you're going to the hospital, like, early-ish in the morning, like, at 7 or 8 in the morning. And, like, it's not going to be without ice for too long. But that's, like, the constant stress. you got to keep it cold. Mm. Yes. Yes. My my fun experience with it, though, is, like, (sighs) so generally, like, the first day packed with appointments, you're starting this 24-hour urine collection. And Case was a little, like, she was off by one because she went on MLK weekend. So, like, her schedule was different than the the typical one they try to do. Um, But I, I started it during the day and, like, I had, I didn't want to take this, like, full jug with me. And so we tried to, like, have someone, like, a nursing staff in the the day hospital, like, hey, put this in the fridge, please, and then we'll come get it in the morning. And they gave us just, like, a brand new jug to take to the room because it was, like, heavy. Like, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. it gets – it's full throughout the day. 
Um, yeah. And by the time we finally left the hospital, it was like seven in, in the evening. And so mm. um, they they did that. We did it with a whole new jug. And then in the next morning, you always start your day in phlebotomy where they take your blood. And phlebotomy was like, where's the rest? I was like, it's upstairs. And for some mm. reason, it was impossible to get someone to get the other jug from upstairs. Oh, no. Like it was, it was such a such yeah. a chaotic mess. Uh, mine was a mess because since I was off because of the weekend, my next day after the twenty four hour urine was the eye center. Oh, and gosh. the eye center didn't have a refrigerator of any kind because <laughs> they told me to put it in the refrigerator. They didn't have it. My poor mother was up and downstairs for like hours replenishing the ice <laughs> oh, for this gosh. thing. It was wild. So, you know, not to this stay This is the, the baby we urine. never wanted, our 24-hour <laughs> urine. I was so glad to be done with that thing, though. Like, I was so it, glad. It is, like, the biggest liberation when we give it that is. thing back. It is. It feels like, like you have, like, a weight lifted. <laughs> like, a quite literally a weight lifted. Like, literally. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no. Uh, it was uh, a time. Overall, yeah. how do you feel about the NIH um, like, how do you feel about the whole experience overall? Because I do feel like I, I feel like we're spending a lot of time on this one, but I feel like this is the big. This the is big the show. biggest one. It's the big yeah. one, and it's the one we've done most often, and so um, and it's the most it's the most consistent, really. So the right, I like to be totally transparent. I really I don't love going to the NIH. Like, I think I think we see it coming, and we're like, okay, but. Like, we do it for a reason, right? And so I think it's really it's really important to remind yourself of the reason that you're doing it because otherwise, like, it can feel a little bit daunting. But you know that, like, by contributing, you're going to help them get just that little bit more information and data that they might need to continue like testing stuff out and potentially finding some kind of a cure or remedy. But even if not, they at least have like a solid database of like people with our condition. So many different people with our condition have have gone and done the same kind of stuff. And like, it's really, really, really important information. Cause you think of like, you think of the, think of the children, right? You think of the kids younger than you. And you know that you want them to, like, maybe find, have a better shot at having a really good future. And, you know, I don't know if my chance is totally gone yet, uh, but I am at the point where the NIH, the last time I was there, said, hey, you're getting closer to the time where we like to observe people more um, because I'm getting older and people might start to show symptoms of lung disease at this point or later but it's such it's such a toss up to know exactly when that happens and so for me the NIH is kind of like oh boy like it's it's the reminder that I will eventually die and it's kind of like that's a reality that like is often good to face um it it reminds you of of where you're at in life but also it can be a lot, but it is kind of an interesting experiment. And I think one thing that um, I always go with my mom and you were with your mom, too. I don't I honestly don't know if I could do this alone. But like, um, I think what's really what's really fun is being there with my mom. And like, you know, we get to kind of like roll our eyes together at like hilarious, weird stuff that happens. And, um, you know, at the end, they also tell you like, hey, this these were the results and these are the things that popped up and you may want to get this checked out by your doctor and whatnot. But like, you know, we always plan for like our little NIH reward for putting up with this week. We always mm-hmm. go and get ourselves like a prize. Like last last time we went, we bought like nice perfume for ourselves and we were really proud Love of that. that. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I think like... I have a little bit of a different relationship with it just because since um, I'm not supposed to get the lung disease, that it's not quite as, like, uh, daunting in that regard. Um, It is exhausting mentally and physically, though, still. Um, Mm -hmm. But here are some good things. I do have a few, like, good things about it. So 
I feel like growing up, since I did get my HPS diagnosis so much later in life, um, for the first chunk of my life, I was really written off by a lot of doctors. And I truly felt like the first time I ever went to the NIH was one of the first times that doctors had actually listened to me and and yeah. like cared and validated what I was feeling. And I hadn't felt that. And so that was really – because no doctor even understands what HPS is locally, right. really. And so – to be with doctors who understood what I was going through and who listened and who said, yeah, let's look into that. Yeah, let's see what you're going through. That really felt great to me. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is like kind of what you were talking about, like the stats are really great to have. Even just like the statistic of like how many women bleed a lot during childbirth and how many the mm -hmm. things, all the statistics we have that we wouldn't otherwise have um, is really amazing. And I think it does feel good to be part of that and be part of the mm – -hmm cause because like even if we find a cure or not we're still getting a lot of really good information through doing this um it is kind of fun to be with my mom it's like an mm -hmm. adventure um and then the other the other good thing that i really actually enjoy is you basically get a complete full workup of your health for free yeah um and it's kind of nice like yeah. i've had so many times where like this year where i've been like well we checked that at the nih like i just got the yeah. results pretty recently and they literally check everything. I mean, like phlebotomy, they take tons of blood and they and they really thoroughly check a lot of things. And then if they see some things that are funky, you need to go follow up maybe. But like that, as someone who has unpredictable health and who has some anxiety surrounding the unpredictableness of my health, to just go get a full workup for free, yeah. like feels pretty great because then you can yeah. like leave knowing what's up. And I'd rather, knowledge is power. I'd rather right. know what's going on than be in the dark about my health. I, I want to know what's up with my health. So, yeah. Yeah. For better or for worse, like, they tell you pretty much everything that you could ever really hope or want <laughs> to know. Like, they'll they'll tell you, like, hey, we saw in your CT scan mm -hmm. there was, like, a fuzzy area. It's not, uh -huh. like, a huge deal. We think it's this. So just letting you know, like, for your for your knowledge right. that this is, like, there and, you know, we'll observe it the next time you come back. And these are, like, mm -hmm. when you were talking about the doctors, I was thinking, like, these are the experts in the field. Like, right. this, is, this is it. Like, this is, you know, there are other, like, physicians that work with us, but many, many of them are at the NIH. And so you know that the ones that you're talking to and the ones that are going to have eyes on this data are, like, you know, top-tier people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is. It's. It feels pretty good. You get all your results right there. You get it yeah. all while you're there. And then you get to talk through it, too, and ask questions of, like, hey, why did this look weird or whatever? So, yeah. it's pretty great. I, yeah, I also really like, great. like, um, the RN that works with us. Like, he's, he's like, a total yeah. nerd. But he's really good at explaining stuff. And so, yeah. last time, like, I feel like some of the best explanations of, like, what does this number mean? And, like, what is this test testing? I've gotten from him because he'll like draw a full diagram like he'll yes, show he you exactly what this is talking about and what it's measuring and it's not just like here are random numbers that you don't know how to interpret like they'll help you interpret it right right yeah nerd in a good way like very smart very knowledgeable about Super every part smart. of the body so like if you need anything answered like you can get your answer so that's Usually that is I'm. really yeah no he's great to have around like mm -hmm. it's really great to be able to talk to him Especially about GI stuff. He was, like, telling me all kinds of stuff. He really is so knowledgeable. So about much. All of it. He knows so much. Like, yeah. It's yeah. Really it's, cool. it's, it's insane. It's really cool. It's like having Google in a Yeah, person. right? Like, and, and really he dumbs is. it down in a way that, like, we can understand, yeah, can you know? <laughs> he even, like, went through all my consent forms in a very dumbed-down way with me of, like, this yeah. is exactly what you're signing, and I'm going to explain it, which is helpful. So you don't have to, like, read through it all. Cause or pretend all like I don't you read that. through it all. <laughs> right. We all know from the last episode or few ep two episodes ago. Um, anyway. Actually, it's uh, a great segue into hello. We love the a next seg. one we want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Which is, we, we talked about this a lot two episodes ago, but the actual HPS conference. We often have research going on in some capacity. Yeah, and, like, what that research is and, um, you know, who it goes for varies from conference to conference. But 
Um, I, I'm trying to even remember what some of the past ones have been, but I there was. Such I know. A long I can't gap. even. I can't I even remember. I remember back in like Mount Sinai, right? Mm, maybe so. I remember, like, back in 2014, I did something where I got a cupcake and a Target card for doing research. Well, so that was fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get you get little prizes. We got a Visa card this time. Yeah. And, you know, they give you little things, and it's cute. We love it. But, yeah, sometimes it's, it, like, it varies as to even who they need and what they want. So um, they've taken stool samples, blood samples. I think they've even done urine, but not not to the degree of the NIH. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that's its own special time but um, oh yeah but i think i think that's mostly it. it's usually like well there's like a famous story of the very first hps oh, conference ever yes. uh, which was in like the basement of our founder's house they um did urine samples and it was snowing outside and they just put everyone's urine samples in the snow to keep them cold ah keep uh, it on ice <laughs> so keep it on ice. yeah like we can't do it the nih very easily but um yeah, no. So, yeah, we've done a lot of research there. There's not a whole lot to say about that because we did talk a lot about that in a few episodes ago, too. I think like. so. But this conference, there was research being done specifically for the magical research that we did back in Pittsburgh in February. Does everyone, do, your, do, do the listeners, the, one, the listeners that listen to every episode, yeah. <laughs> do you remember back in February when we traveled together? We're not going to say the name of this um, place this because it's like an ongoing. <laughs> we're cryptic about this because it's like an ongoing um, drug development type situation, I guess you could say. Yeah. And we don't want to like say things we're not supposed to say. But back in February, Cass and I went to Pittsburgh to give blood. For some research. It has to do with the bleeding disorder. I think we can say that. I think so. Like this yeah. research has to do with like possible treatment for our bleeding disorder. Which could and be super cool and very helpful. Honestly, my favorite research I've ever I think done. so. I think so. Well Definitely. And so so right now, like I'll at least say like right now the treatments for our bleeding disorder are like not necessarily specifically targeted for like the problems that our condition has like we have some like rescue meds or things that can help our because our blood doesn't clot well because we have issues with our blood platelets being like formed wrong and so um the therapies we have they're fine but like they're expensive they could be better and so basically this company is trying to improve that um we'll say and it was really, I will, you know, we talked about our Pittsburgh trip a little bit, but it was really, really fun to be able to go with Case, and it was such, like, a quick, like, you blink and you miss it thing, but it was also it was really it was promising. Just, yeah, it's a promising treatment, but it was also, it was just the two of us sharing a hotel room, and we've talked about it a little bit, but yeah, the, tre- the, uh, the uh, research itself was really quick didn't even take very long at all so we got to have like a fun day in pittsburgh we ate really good pizza in our hotel room Mm. on the bed as we watched cartoons we um got to go to like a bookstore and a vintage shop and a cheese shop and all kinds of fun stuff it was like such a magical day it really was we had like one of one of our trademark like nighttime heart to hearts it was awesome of course, and then we even had like a nice little breakfast in the airport together, and ate chocolate pretzels. Mm, yum, yeah. And, and like, like, I feel. Oh no, go on. Oh no, go. <laughs> I was just gonna say I've done a lot of like fun stuff this year already. It's only um, May, and I've gotten to do a lot of fun stuff. But that's honestly one of the highlights of my year. Like it was. So it was fun. really fun. I'm like I think yeah. of February and I think of that, and it was a blast. Me too. Um, Me like, too. Uh, and and we talked about this previously, but this lo- like the lab we were in even felt secret. Like, oh my gosh! Yeah, it was. You know, I <laughs> we went through like it felt like a movie. We went through like four it was. hallways and three elevators, <laughs> and <laughs> we literally went through like eighty thousand like secret passageways. It was Not so really, but like. Wild. It was, like, three different elevators, like, eight different doors. There was, like, a secret, almost closet-looking door that, like, like you wouldn't want to go through. It looked like a closet, but it was, like, a whole world on the other side. It was, like, a Narnia-type deal where it's... And then it was, like, you're, like, in a normal... 
You're like in a normal hospital. Then it goes to like a really, really nice, like fancy Looks office like a business building center, yeah. <laughs> with like big windows. And then you're in like Dexter's laboratory. Like, full-blown, like, out of a movie with literally, like, wires and tubes and jars and, like, buttons and stuff everywhere. Like, literally, it looked like a I told Cass, I was like, this looks like someone made this for a movie set. Like, a yeah. fake set. Yeah. there were And, like, frankly, I mean, it was chaotic. How did they find anything? I do not know. But they were, like, there was, like, no. a centrifuge just, like, chilling with tubes of fluid. Like, I don't... Yeah. I don't know what we were looking at. Like... <laughs> no, and you would not have been able to, like, find that area yourself. Like, we had to have someone lead us every single time to and yeah. from. Yeah, they, they took because us was from so the lobby up hidden. and then back down twice because we had to do it separately. Yeah. It was wild. And it like, it was crazy. Even when, it, like, even when they took our blood, they just kind of like cleared a little square. <laughs> yeah. And then also, I forgot to say so you went to Vandy twice. I've been to this company twice. Um, so they also have another like location in, uh, in the DC area. So when I was at the NIH in January, I went to that location and gave my blood there as well. So I've been to 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 the Pittsburgh location and the And that's one their like legit DC. lab because I think you got yeah, a that's tour their legit. too, right? That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, it was like their legit building was that. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the Pittsburgh one was just in a hospital that they were using part of that hospital. Right. Um, and this one was like their legit one. I have like a picture in a lab. They made me wear a full lab coat and goggles. So cool. It was like a whole. It was cool. I'm kind of jealous. Like I wanted the tour, um, just because we got a little bit of a tour. We got to go in that room and see <laughs> microscopes and stuff. Yeah. See, I'm just. I just feel salty that we didn't get to see the mice. Like <laughs> I wanted mm. to see the mice. Yeah, yeah. You gotta Pretty see your cool. research mouse. Actually, so we. <laughs> As Coco. a tangent. Yeah, we learned at this conference that the HPS mice have names um, based yeah, on Yeah, like, I actually the knew that. I knew it. I knew it prior, but I'd forgotten. My type three mouse is Coco. Hi, Coco. Hi, Coco. Mine is not as Do exciting. Paleer. It's the paleer mouse. Oh. Yeah, um, I know. I'm a little jealous because the type 2 one, which is, like, significantly more rare in our community, is called the Pearl Mouse, and I think that's cuter, but that's fine. I love Pearl. I know. Steven. Pearl as a mouse. We love, <laughs> we love Pearl. Um, but, um, but, yeah, so actually, so there were, uh, participating in this research, um, there were 12 of us that went at different times. Case and I just happened to go together. Um, and we had talked about this in our conference up, but they ended up recognizing us, which we didn't expect. Right. Um, at the conference itself, they were calling us like the daring dozen. Like it was really cute. Yeah. We got vests, matching vests that say, re- what does it say? Research team. Yeah. HPS research team. Girl, I got to wear and that at like the clues. NIH. Like, <laughs> oh, you do. Oh, you do. Uh, yeah, that was really that was so special. I felt like we were like an yeah. Olympic team, the I daring know. dozen. I uh, know. But no, that whole that whole experience was really positive. I had a great time with you in Pittsburgh, and yeah. uh, we even got to see a friend of ours from Noah while we were there. Yeah, and it was like a great. We made great the absolute time. most of what was basically like less than forty eight hours. Did. We did, and Paramore's album came out that weekend, oh, so I just like so associate good. it. It was just a great time in my life, to be honest. I know. Well, and um, the continuation of that weekend uh, at the HPS conference, this company was there, took more samples, uh, which was really, really cool. They also did that very, very long (laughs) um, natural history information gathering thing where, like, they asked every single time that you've ever bled in your life. Literally. We're not kidding. Literally. We're not joking. That is a question that we were asked. That sounds like um, exaggeration. It's not. No, it's not. They asked us also every time we think we've ever bruised in our life. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, uh, back in 1997. Right. I... <laughs> uh... Oh, man. But it's 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 really fascinating to to talk about this all at once. And I think... 
I don't know. Sometimes when you do it and in isolated instances, like it doesn't always feel like you're making a difference because with research, you don't usually know where it's going to end up. It could end up in nothing. Right. I I really like think, you know, as as kind of final thoughts, I do think research is not something we have to do. We've Mm -hmm. said that, but I think it is um, if anyone is listening and you do have HPS or any other rare um, disorder that might, you know, have research being done on it. I think it is important to do and not to not to guilt anyone who hasn't done it. But I think if you're if you're on the fence thinking about it, um, a lot of people are kind of against doing it because they feel like they're like being a guinea pig. And like in a way you kind of are, but also you're really making a difference like. Yeah. You're making a difference for future generations and maybe even your generation, who knows, but but also for future. I mean, we wouldn't know any of the stuff we know if it no. weren't for all of this having gone on. I mean, we wouldn't even know that there was multiple types, like type right. 2, type 3, type 4. Um, we wouldn't know any of that and it is really knowledge is power. It's great information and mm-hmm. I'm happy to help. Like it is it is frustrating and it can be mentally and physically exhausting, but it's not at the end of the day for me personally, only speaking for me, it's not like bad. Like I don't despise it. I mean, Mm-mm. it's, it is what it is. It's not like sunshine and roses, but also like there are good things about it and I'm happy to do it for the Honest- cause. And-, and honestly, for the most part, like it's pretty low key. Like the, uh, besides the NIH, like the other two things we've talked about were very, like very quick Easy. in and out. Like yeah. they, they take not even that many vials of your blood and like you're right. done. Um, right. And the cool thing is that by being involved, if there is some kind of a treatment that could affect you, you're going to be one of the first people they call because they knew about you and they have your data on file. Like, right. That's, yeah, al- no, that's also like super helpful and important for your well-being. Yeah. You're also helping yourself as you're doing this. So um, and you can kind of, uh, based on what you sign off on, on the contracts that you're signing, you can kind of pick and choose what they share with you. If they find any, um, you know, they were asking me, like, if we find any, like, genetic markers for, uh, you know, like, you're more likely to get Alzheimer's or that kind of stuff. Like, when we're doing things, like, do you want to know? And some people do, some people don't. But you can kind mm-hmm. of pick and choose, like, what you learn. Yeah. Um, so that's also interesting. And- in general, these consents usually stipulate that, like, if you, for any reason, don't want to do it, you can just opt out. You can just say mm-hmm. no, and then they'll be done, and they won't do any more. Um, and they'll, right. they'll delete your records, too. So, like... Technically, if you just wanted to do some of it and not all of it, you can. Like, I was kind of on the fence about doing the CT scan because that's just, like, extra radiation, and I've had a lot of radiation in my life already. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, they, they tell you, you know, you don't have to, like... If you mm-hmm. don't want to, you don't have to. So it's up to you. Yeah. I mean, I rejected the skin biopsy and, it, you know, they haven't. I've been willing right. to get it since then, but they haven't needed it really. So like it kind of worked out. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, it is really discretionary. Like it's totally up to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a cra- it's kind of wild. It's such a such a nether world, you know, like it's so it is a different world <laughs> that people do not understand. I think when I tell people I'm going to the NIH, even my closer friends, like they don't even know They're what like, the heck okay. I'm even doing. <laughs> They're like, all right. Like, it's like nobody knows what you're doing. It's like what happens at the NIH stays, stays at, the at the NIH, NIH until this until this episode. Um, you're in on ice. Disney on ice. <laughs> Which I think is the quote of the I was like, is this the title or is this the poll quote? Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Y'all, if this is the title, you'll know it when you see it. (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, bottom line, like, like Casey said, I feel like you put it so well. We're like, if you have the opportunity to participate, obviously it's up to you. um, And where you're at mentally, emotionally, physically. But if you can, it would help a lot of people. Besides, right. they can also find stuff about your tiny disease that may apply to larger scale things you That's don't true. even know and they don't either. That's true. And you're mostly just giving your time. You're not really giving a lot of your finances. Like we said, no. all of these have covered at least flight and board. Um, food, it depends. But, you know, if, if you're able to do that, then it's really not too much it's not it's really mostly your time that you're giving than anything else yeah yeah exactly and again it is a little bit of a sacrifice like you were saying in time in 
you know, just giving up so much of yourself literally. Yeah. Um, literally. yeah. <laughs> but but it's worth it. And we do it because yeah. we believe it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And we've only passed out in phlebotomy once, both of us. <laughs> Each of us. Uh, and I did not pass out this time, except I passed out a different time. I won't get into that, but I did pass out, just not in phlebotomy. Oh, yeah. Fun times. (laughs) Um, but we hope you enjoyed this ep. It's a little cray, but we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I was like, I I mean, it's a little, I was gonna say, I don't think we have a game. It's also a little late, but we will see you in two weeks. Don't forget that we have social medias at rare.with.flair. Follow us. Follow us, message us, email us, hello at rarewithfire.com. Give us a Notice attention. us. Love us. Care for us. Notice us. <laughs> Love us. Anyway. Anyway. Bye. Bye.